We're continuing, as most of you know, in our series on Hebrews, actually coming closer to the end than the beginning. We'll finish this up uh, the end of May. So we have a few more sermons on this. If you remember last week, Hal preached on running the race from the first three verses of chapter 12. He said something that that struck me that I, I want to remind us as we get into our passage. He said, to be in the race... So if you're a Christian, you are in the race. To be in the race is to have our whole perspective altered or changed, our perspective on life. If you're in the race, your view of the world is different, or it ought to be different than it used to be and different from the world. And I think this passage that we're about to go through, that I'm about to read to you this morning... It really ought to turn some of our ideas or our thoughts about what the Christian life is all about. It ought to turn those ideas upside down. God's Word, the work of the Holy Spirit, has a tendency to do that, at least to me, but it probably ought to do it to all of us. It should turn some things upside down for us. So as I read this passage, you're going to notice the word discipline is used nine times. We're going to talk a lot about discipline, what it means. So um, as I read, just follow along and think about how this might change your understanding of what the Christian life is all about. Let's begin in verse 3, Hebrews chapter 12. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure." God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word. And would you help us this morning better understand what it is you're doing in our lives, what it is you promise to continue to do, and the prize for which we do it. Help us to see Jesus Christ this morning, in whose name we pray. Amen. So I'll give you a little insight into what I do when I want to check out. I just watch a little bit of TV Watch documentaries. Just finished a documentary. It's just an hour and a half long called The Standard. The Standard is a a show 
about a group of people that volunteer, only happens once a year, for an intense physical, emotional, and, um, and mental challenge. It's put on by former military spot, special operations soldiers. And you just have to volunteer. You can sign up. Anybody can sign up. You show up on that particular day where the event starts, and you have to be qualified. And there is an intense qualification period, and you have to meet a minimum physical standard of qualification. And I, and I will tell you, many of you, I couldn't meet it, but many of you could. It's, it's hard, but it's not that hard. Supposedly, though, one of the hardest and toughest endurance events in the world. Once they qualify, they are then pushed to the limit emotionally, physically, intellectually. They're pushed to the limit, and it only lasts for 48 hours. I thought, wow, that doesn't seem that tough. By hour eight of the event, there's only two people left. Just two people. Most years, nobody wins. By the way, you know what the prize is if they win? Nothing. They don't win anything. Well, they do win something. They win a patch, a beer, and a lifetime discount to some organization if they buy anything from them. They really don't win anything. Don't even know the people's names. They're known by numbers. 61 won uh, the, the last endurance event. And I have to admit, for that hour and 28 minutes, I was mesmerized. I, I loved it. The people are so committed to something, committed to not only training for it, but actually pushing through it for no real prize at all, simply because they just want to win. The last guy who won on this show, he said after winning, he's being interviewed, he said, I'm just different now. I like it. I won and I love winning. And then the person that's interviewing, he gets real close with the camera and he said, you like it even after all the pain? And, and right in front of the camera, he, he begins to smirk, and this is what he says. He says, the pain is what made it worth it. It's weird, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it a little weird? Our passage this morning, it talks about endurance, it talks about discipline, it talks about struggle, and it even talks about winning. But winning for something that really matters, winning for something ultimate, eternal, and it's worth more than anything else in the world. You don't just get a patch. You don't just get to drink a beer, and you don't get a lifetime discount to anything. You get life. We learned last week that there's a race to be run, and we're in it. And contrary to this show, which was called The Standard, we don't have to qualify. In fact, we can't qualify for the race. That's why Jesus Christ came. He met the qualifications, and because he met them, those of us who know him or those of us who are known by him, we are qualified for the race. And unlike the participants in the standard, we don't have to be trained beforehand because there's nothing that we can do to make it into the race. It has to be done for us. So our training, our discipline, it takes place during the race. We're being disciplined, if you will, not so that we will win because we've already won. 
And it's hard, but we get the ultimate prize, and it's life with God as life was intended to be. So I have the main idea for you up front this morning, and I want to give it to you, but I want to ask you, those of you who know me, you're probably going to give me the benefit of the doubt for the next 20 minutes. But if you don't know me, I'm going to need you to give me the benefit of the doubt for what I'm about to say, the main idea of this sermon, because this is an otherworldly idea. And if all you are aware of about the Christian life and the Christian faith, if all you know is what you hear about Christianity on the news or on social media or even on on, uh, television, if that's all you know about Christianity, this is not taught as much as it ought be, as it ought to be. So here's the main idea. The difficulties of this life in the here and now, rather than being a sign of God's displeasure, rather than being a sign that God is not happy with you, it's actually proof that God is really, really happy with you that God is pleased with you, that God does love you, and whatever it is you may be going through, it's worth it, even if it doesn't feel that way now. That's the main idea that I want to prove to you from God's Word this morning in the passage that we've read. Our passage is about struggling, suffering that has to be endured, and it's referred to this struggle that we are all participating in this race, it's referred to as discipline, and most of us don't like that word. We don't like the word discipline, and the reason is it has the the ability to create uncertainty, discipline does. It has the reason, it, it has the ability to create despair. Discipline can make us want to quit. Why do you think we all started the new year? We start a real good, healthy diet so that we can lose some weight, and by day seven, we're done. It's hard. Why is it, do you think, we we really have a desire to read the Bible through in a year, and we get to Leviticus, and the discipline of getting through Leviticus, it just says, this isn't worth it. Discipline can create uncertainty. Discipline can even create despair. It can make us want to quit. But in its purest sense, in the way the Bible uses the word for his people, for God's people, discipline under God's supervision in the Bible for his people, it reflects the idea of moving to that which is right, that which is good. So for us in the race, discipline is exactly what we need to have because we're going to finish. Think about this. We had some Georgia football players a few weeks ago show up at Downtown Academy, spend some time with the kids. And I didn't, I didn't get to see them, but I, but I know enough about Georgia football that every one of those athletes that comes and plays football for Georgia They are really, really gifted. They are really, really good. But do you realize that if they don't submit themselves to the program's discipline, beginning in freshman year all the way through their time, if they don't submit to discipline and discipline themselves, they might get on a highlight reel, but they're never going to get to the pros. So this morning, we're going to follow three ideas to help us in this text this morning. First of all, why discipline matters. 
why discipline is good and what discipline brings about for the Christian. Why discipline matters? Because life is sometimes very hard. The writer of this letter is well aware that his audience is disheartened. They're showing signs of growing weary, becoming faint-hearted. The, the, the writer's afraid he's, they're going to quit. Look at, look at verse 3 and 4. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. As we think about the Christian life, if we're in the race, we can't take our eyes off Jesus. We can't take our eyes off what Jesus endured going to the cross, on the cross. And he did that so you and I won't grow weary, won't give up. Doesn't mean it won't be hard, but it means with the difficulties, we will keep going. You've heard, you've heard the C.S. Lewis quote. It's on the front of your bulletin. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. In our struggle against sin, and I'm talking about sin with a capital letter, the, the power of sin that's in the world that we struggle against in our own hearts. There's sin in the world, there's sin in other people, there's sin within us. In our struggle with this sinful world, with the sin in our own hearts, we have to consider Christ. We have to embrace the one who endured to the point of dying so that we can keep going. You and I live in a broken world. We're well aware of that. People get sick. People die. Our children, our friends, they suffer, they struggle, and they hurt. We sin against God, we sin against other people, and other people sin against us. And while there will be many times, I pray in hope, of, of joy in our lives, there will be many days where we just wonder if we're going to make it. And if we don't see Jesus, if we don't trust Jesus, if we don't grab hold of Jesus, then we're on our own. And that's why discipline matters. The Christian life is hard and we need someone to get us through it. And that someone is Christ. So in our passage, suffering, struggle, they're very closely linked with discipline. The struggle is the discipline we need. I mean, all you have to do is think back to the contestants in that, in that documentary that I watched. The guy who won... He prepared all year long. He wore an 80-pound backpack to work, at work, from work, at home. It wasn't fun. It wasn't easy. It's not a question of whether or not we're going to be disciplined. The question is, how are we thinking about the discipline? If, if, if everything we're going through doesn't mean anything, then what's the point? But if it means something, how are we thinking about it? This leads to point number two. Why discipline is good. Look at verse five. I paraphrased it for us. Have we forgotten? That's what Clay read in the Old Testament reading. Have we forgotten the encouraging proverb that says, my son, my child, my daughter, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord or grow, or, or grow weary because of it. 
In other words, we can respond to discipline in one of two ways. We can disregard it, regard it lightly, thinking that that we know better than God knows about what's good for us. Or we can become weary and tired, thinking that the trials that God allows into our lives, thinking that that's a sign of personal rejection. That's really the only two options that we have as we go through life. We can be proud, we can think we know better than God, or we can, we can resign, we can give up, thinking that God doesn't love us, God doesn't care about us. And what this passage says is those two options are a false reading of the situation. Look at verses six and seven. The reality is, and this is God saying this, folks, this isn't me. God says it's a sign of God's love for us. The Lord disciplines those he loves. This whole idea of son in this passage, it means we're being treated in the discipline that he allows to come our way, in the struggles that we have each and every day with our lives, it is meaning that we are being treated as an heir to the throne. And I know we got some fans of the British monarchy in here, and I have watched The Crown, and it doesn't seem to be that way for those people in the royal family, does it? I mean, I know they say they work, but they don't seem to really have to work like I have to work. They seem to be a little privileged, right? It's not the way it worked for the royal family, but you have to understand that's a worldly idea of royalty. That's not a biblical idea of royalty. We don't have an earthly father or king or queen. Our king is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ's idea of royalty led him to the cross where he endured from sinners like you and me up to the point of shedding his blood. An earthly father or king has a finite view of what's best and a heavenly father or king wants what's infinitely best for his children, not only for this life, but the life to come. Our king works on a totally different standard. And even more, verse 8, if you aren't disciplined, if you're not struggling, you are nothing more than an illegitimate child. You're not part of the royal family at all. Now, I don't know about you, but when I start struggling with anything, and it can be anything, when, when things just don't go the way I want them to go, things that are hard, people that seem to make my life a little bit more difficult than I would uh, prefer, Struggling with the same old sin or sins, when my wife and I are not clicking, when I'm, when I'm worried about my adult children, when, when bad things not only happen to me, but bad things open to, happen to my friends and their family, I'm tempted to do one of two things. I'm tempted to fight as hard as I can because I think I know what's best and I really don't care if anybody else gets hurt. That's my first temptation. My second temptation is just give up, go home and check out. The alternative presented here is to to really believe that God is giving us all that we need to make us better, to make us stronger, all that we were made to be as sons and daughters of the king, rather than thinking that God hates us or God dislikes us or God is not pleased with us. The reality is that we are being assured that we are one of God's favored children. Think about that in terms of whatever it is you're going through now. And listen, I I am aware of this. We have Alex and Rebecca in Houston at MD Anderson hoping for a miracle, praying for a miracle. 
I know what many of you are going through, and it's not pleasant. I also know that I don't know what many of you are going through. But I do know what this passage says, and the passage speaks even to the hard stuff. Look at verse 11. All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. See, this isn't just a superficial response to to somebody hurting and being in pain and struggling with with, with their life. This isn't just the, oh, it's gonna be all right. This isn't just, oh, God's gonna work it out for your good. God's not minimizing the pain. There's real evil in the world. There's real injustice in the world. He's not minimizing the pain. He's not pretending that there is no pain. We're not even called to say we like it. What we're called to do is know that it's worth it and not quit. Which leads to our last point. We don't quit because we know what discipline brings about. It's our last point. We look with enduring faith beyond the painful present to the peaceful fruit of righteousness. It's verses 10 and 11. This present life, with all its sadness, with all its struggle, with all its suffering, it is for our good and it's sharing in God's holiness. Even though it's painful, not pleasant, because it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So what is the peaceful fruit of righteousness? There's a lot that we could say about it, but, but this is where I'd like to start. There is this, there's this section of the show at the end and the guy that's left, there's only one left by like hour 40. And that's when the, all the leaders, all the cadre, they all come back together and they throw everything at them that, that, that could possibly be thought of. They're spraying water on them, they're yelling at them, they're throwing mud at them. One of the things that he has to do to get to the finish line is he has to crawl through this 150 yards of, of two feet of mud with a 50-pound backpack, rucksack, and he's got to drag an 80-pound sandbag. And he's got to drag that through the mud, and he can barely keep his head above the mud. He's covered with mud. And there, when he gets close to the end, seems like he's about to quit. One of, the, one of the cadre, they call him, the leaders, gets in his face. And he says, I want three words. I want to know in three words how you feel. What you thinking? And he, he can't even talk because there's so much mud in his mouth. And he goes, I need three words or you're done. And this guy pops his head out. No sleep, had one peanut butter sandwich. That's all he's had to eat. His eyes get real big. And he says, I am winning. And he kept going. The peaceful fruit of righteousness is this, partially. When the world throws everything that it can possibly throw at you, when Satan keeps on throwing his darts, when we do ridiculous, sinful things that we know we shouldn't do, We see Jesus Christ and we look up with him and we don't say, I am winning. We say, I have won because we're in Christ Jesus. 
That is the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Wherever we are, whatever it is before us, we can trust and rest in God because he knows fully what we're going through. He knows the situation in which we are in and he will bring us to the end. Brothers and sisters, when we talk about holiness and we talk about growing in righteousness, it's not that we're working real hard to be holy. Of course, we're working real hard to be holy, but that's not what this passage is saying. Holiness comes in and through the struggle for those who have been trained by it. God works through these struggles and this discipline. And we, when we look up to Jesus and we see him and we have the right mindset, it is a gift of God that comes from his discipline. And that gift is holiness, peace, and righteousness because we're running in the race and God is allowing things to come to us and we trust him in it. And that's our prize. And it's so much better than a patch. It's a taste of what we're going to have in the days to come when Jesus comes back. It is life without any struggle, without any tears. It is life with God and his people, and it is worth it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us this morning to to have a different perspective on the world that we live in to have a different perspective on the things that we are going through. Remind us that discipline matters because you are overseeing it. Remind us that discipline is good because you are at work and you love us. And remind us of the hope that we have. We give you thanks for your promises. Help us to live in light of them and share it with the world. In Jesus' name, amen.